You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 11, all about transition. So play some giving music while I take up the offering. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you lead with confidence and clarity. These are practical solutions for your ministry that you probably didn't learn in seminary. Now let's join your host, Seth Muse, whose glass is always half full, but somehow runs over. Hey everybody, welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I am your host, Seth Muse. I'm glad that you're here with me today. Today is, if, if you're listening to this on the actual day that it drops online, it is election day. Ah, so exciting, so wonderful. It's divided our country so dividedly. Uh, we are so, <laughs> I haven't talked a lot about politics and I'm not really going to start today, but I will tell you this, is that whatever candidate, uh, whatever happens or whoever you voted for, our country is about to go through a period of transition. And speaking of transitions, I'm going to transition right into our topic of the day, which is transitions. And today on the podcast, I have a guest who just went through some transitions. I'm going through some myself and figuring out what's next for me. And my guest today is Tom Pounder. And Tom is the host of the YM Sidekick podcast. You can also find him at ymsidekick.com. And YM, of course, stands for youth ministry. And Tom has been in youth ministry for a very long time and has made a transition out of that into something else. And so into communications, actually. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about how to do transitions well in your church, how to handle the pressures and handle it with maturity as as well as like moving around within a church, because that's really hard to do. A lot of people transition from a church to another church, but how can you position yourself to transition from one position to another within a church, especially if it's maybe not something that already exists, another position that already exists. So you want to create a position that your church says, Hey, we need this to happen. And we don't have any budget allotted for it. We don't have anybody that's ever done it. We have no idea what it looks like. So Tom's been kind of in that position. So we're going to talk to him today about transitions and uh, it's a really great conversation. I hope you stick around for all of it at the end of the show. If you want to find any of the links, especially Tom's stuff that we talk about during the show, you can go to sethmuse.com slash episode 11. Episode 11 is all connected. So sethmuse.com episode 11, and you can find all the show notes before we get into today's good, good conversation that I've got planned for you that we've had. Uh, Before we get into today's conversation, I want to talk real briefly about email. I know that a lot of you send emails every single week. You do church emails, you do mass emails, you might email your leaders, you might email your students or your parents, or you might email your worship team or your elder board or whoever you're emailing and sending it to mass people. Are you sending emails that get opened? Maybe you could have a, have a, a program like MailChimp or AWeber or Constant Contact that you can use that shows you how often they get opened. And you can go in and find out what is the number, what's like the percentage that it should be according to your industry, which sometimes is accurate, sometimes it's not. But if you look at that, you can see how often people are opening it, how often are they clicking anything in it, if you put links in it or things like that. So some of you, I hope all of you, want to write emails that get opened. And I've created a quick little checklist that you can find on our website. I'll put it in the show notes for this. And you can find this quick checklist to help you write better emails that are structured well, that get in the inbox, that make people want to open them, and they have a better chance of being read and not only read, but engaged with or responded to. So 
check out that email checklist tool that I'm going to put in the show notes of this show. So let's get to my interview with Tom Pounder. It's a really great interview. You can find all those links in our show notes, and I can't wait to share this with you. So here we go. All right, guys, today my guest is Tom Pounder, and Tom is serving as the online campus pastor at New Life Christian Church in Northern Virginia. Uh, He had just successfully transitioned out of youth ministry and into communications and maybe some tech when an unforeseen staff change has had him back in youth ministry again in addition to his new duties. Tom wears a lot of hats at his church and is in the middle of his transition like probably a lot of you are. So today I want to talk about that transition and hear, hear just what Tom is doing and maybe some of the things that we talk about today will help you through your transitions and help you do those really well. Tom, thanks for so thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about you and your ministry and and just what you're doing, all the stuff that you're involved with right now. Okay. Um, well, I started doing ministry back in 1997. Uh, I was the I started off as a junior high uh, intern where I was uh, making a whopping fifteen thousand dollars a year. Um, oh, that's one, slow down. <laughs> that's one one five zero zero zero. Um, and I had no health insurance, no benefits. So I was like, wow, this, this is crazy. But I, I loved it. Um, I, I love working with middle school kids. In fact, all throughout my student ministry career, I'd, ra- I'd much rather work with middle school kids than high school kids for I think, some reason. I think I would, too. I, I'm, I just love middle school kids. They're so fun. They are fun. And, you know, again, I, I think it, the mindset of these kids are just so fascinated that an adult would care about them or hang, want to hang out with them, whereas the high school kids are too cool for school, you know, and so they, yeah. they you, you have to earn the right much more. Uh, yeah, I got to I got to admit, when I'd go to visit like school lunches when I was a youth pastor mm-hmm. and when I went to the high school, I felt that that I'm not very cool. <laughs> shame that they kind of yeah. give, you know, when you go in there, I'm like, ah, huh. felt just like yeah. high school again, you know? Yeah, no, no, I know. <laughs> and especially when you have gray hair like I do now. And so it's not, not always the coolest thing, but you know, so, so I, uh, I, I worked in youth ministry for a very long time. Uh, um, if you can count now, which I do, um, this is like 19 years for me. Um, and so, but about three years ago, our church started making some transitions and doing some different things. Um, and we wanted to get into online ministry a little bit and a little bit more active on social media. So they, they thought, oh, Tom, you, you're on Facebook all the time because you're, you're talking to kids or you're on, you're on Twitter. You're, you're talking to kids. You understand social media. Would you want to do social media and some communication stuff with classic? Me? Yeah, and so I was like, "Oh, sure, this is actually." I actually thought this is great because this is actually at, about that time too. It was getting harder and harder for me to do student ministry, and we can get in that later. But it, it was it was harder, and I, I was looking for a transition to be honest. And this came at a right time for me, so I started dabbling a little bit more with being more strategic and intentional about social media and then came along this opportunity to do online church and where we live stream our church services and and what that entails so they asked me to do that as well and so um i did that and so i kind of transitioned out of student ministry although i was coaching i did i I worked with a lot of the volunteers and the 
the guy that replaced me and I was coaching a lot until about last February where, um, he unexpectedly gave us two weeks notice and we were left scrambling. So I kind of got asked to jump back in the fold. We were hoping to buy, we were hoping to bring on a, a new guy to help us out, but that fell through over the summer. And so now I'm Shazam. I'm, uh, you're back I'm in doing, it. I'm back in it doing student <laughs> ministry, doing social media stuff and doing, um, and doing online campus pastor stuff. So three jobs in one. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You know, youth ministry really is like the mafia, uh, a little bit, you know, you try to get out of it and they just pull you back in. They pull you back. You yeah. can't get out of it. Even like after I've left youth ministry too this year and I've already led worship a couple times at youth groups and, and I keep going and it's, I've had somebody offer me a job, you know, I'm like, Oh, yeah. I would, uh, no, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not there anymore. You know, you, you don't want me. I promise. Yeah, right. Right. And that's the thing I was, when I was transitioning out of the online, well, out of, into the online stuff, I was like, this is where I was, where I was. I, again, I was a little bit older and I felt like this is where I need to be. And so when I came back into doing some student ministry stuff, I, I had to really be, forthcoming with them to saying, Hey, here's where I'm passionate. This is what I want to do in regards to student ministry. Let's, let's bring in some people to help us out with that. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're doing the online ministry thing now. Some churches are able to do that and some are trying to dabble with it. Mm -hmm. What is your, what does your setup look like? Let's talk about that really quick. What does it look like for you guys to do online church? What do you mean by that? Yeah. So what we do is every Sunday we, we have three services from our main campus. Um, and what we'll do is we'll stream all three of those live services, and then we will rebroadcast that throughout the week. And uh, in the stream it, we we have you can stream it with just simply one camera if you want. But um, we have uh, we have a hookup through live stream, and we have three different cameras um, that we go back and forth with. And so we have some producers and directors that are switching camera angles and all that stuff that I don't even know about. I, I, you know, I just, I, I marvel at what they do. Um, but then, you know, we stream out and then we use the church online platform. It's from life church, which if you're looking into getting involved with online church, you got to go to life church and go to their open resources because life church gives away so much free stuff and it's amazing. So basically we only pay, live stream uh, a, a certain amount of money a month to to host our, our streaming but then everything else is kind of free and it's really cool um because then we have a chat room yeah that we have you know we have people chatting and believe it or not they do chat it's a, it's amazing to that to see the chatter that goes on week to week oh yeah i, I think that's something that a lot of churches that are kind of debating this don't understand about the live stream is that it is actually what it says. It's live. And to use yeah. that chat feature, there will be people asking questions or yep. making comments. You almost develop a community of people that normally go into that room. You start to get to know people in there digitally. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. A lot of people will say, well, that's not real church because you're not really talking to people. You're not really face-to-face with people. And I can understand where they're coming from. However, I will tell you at the eight o'clock service, I know those people who are chatting in that chat room and I can catch up with them and I can talk with them. And it is almost like I know who they are without ever seeing them. Um, But I also love the fact that there are people who have physical handicaps. Like, again, we have one guy at our eight o'clock services 
he goes by the name of Spurky, but his name is Scott. And, um, but he goes by Spurky and he is legally blind. He cannot get to our church services, um, but he can get on online and he can, um, he can listen to the services and he can speak into the chat room. I mean, he doesn't talk a whole bunch, but I mean, he will say things from time to time. It's amazing to see how people with physical handicaps will, will utilize that so that they can experience church still. Yeah, that's really cool. And you know, I, th- I think I agree with you so much on those relationships, even though they're digital. Yeah. They're not as good as a real relation, like face to face, but they are yeah. still relationships. Yeah. You know, they can begin relationships. In fact, I know a lot of people now that I've just met online that I would consider to be friends. If I finally ever get to meet them, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be hugs and not just handshakes, you know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, yeah, yeah. Hey, we've known each other for a while. You know, I've mm-hmm. talked with you. I feel like I know what's going on in your life. You know, what's going on in mine. So that's, that's yep, really exactly. cool. How yeah. many, about how many people does it take? Do you think just a guess, uh, to on your team to make Sunday morning happen when it comes to like that production you were just talking about? To get well, the live stream stuff, I guess. Yeah. I, again, I, I'm trying to remember when we went bare bones and we just were doing it. Um, I want to say you have to have a camera, one camera operator. You have to have someone who can help direct where it's going, like a producer of sorts, just to make sure that they know what's going on and make sure the slides are still showing up there. And I would say you have to have three to four tech people involved. And then a chat chat host like, I, you know, I was hosting every chat service at first when we were when we first started. Now I have a chat host for every service and I just kind of monitor and check in on things. But, uh, yeah, I would say at the bare minimum, three people ideally would be five just to get things started. That's per um, service. Yeah, that's per service. Like, well, what we at, what we ask our team is that you commit to Sunday and then you're on that Sunday and then we'll rotate somebody else out there. Okay. Okay. So it's yeah. not, so they do all the services on a Sunday, but they don't do every Sunday, every month. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Great. Yep. Well, um, that's, that's the kind of cool stuff that, uh, churches get to do now. It's, it's such yeah. a cool time to be in the technical communications world, but I want mm-hmm. to go back with you just a little bit to your youth ministry days, because I want to talk okay. about, you know, some of those things that you've seen and just as from youth pastor to, from to ex youth pastor to ex <laughs> Soon to be ex youth pastor, um, what's some of the wildest stuff that you've seen in youth ministry? <laughs> well, the wildest stuff. Like I, I was kind of curious. What What do you mean the wildest stuff? Because well, I've like seen the, something yeah. where you just saw it, and and something happened that maybe made you go, "Oh, I'm so glad you guys are alive," or <laughs> "Oh, that's so not good. Don't do that ever again." Or I can't believe I had this happen. You know, those kinds of surprise moments, or the or even the great moments, like the yeah. Man, eighteen people out of nineteen people that showed up accepted Christ tonight. You know what? Yeah. What are some of those moments that you kind of look back and go, "Wow, that was that was pretty crazy." You know, I, I, there's a variety of different stories where I, I have crazy, funny stories. Uh, where, like, again, we went bowling one night, and we we had a very, you know, in my prime, we had a very ruckus crowd of of students, uh, and. And we went bowling one night, and at one point they turned off all the lights, and the the like the disco ball came out, and all these things, you know, like it just got a little bit crowd wilder and music blaring, and um, 
I just remember our group, we were bowling and then I'm bowling. And all of a sudden I turn around after the, the lights go down and the strobe light comes on. And one of my students, he's probably the craziest student I've ever had. Um, but one of my students just with his shirt off and twirling it around, dancing on a table, like serenading <laughs> the women and just hanging out. I mean, just doing things like that. We've gotten in trouble before. We've almost gotten kicked out of a mission trip before, which was not one of my better moments. So you're, but, that, you're that group. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but but I, I will say this. You know, one of the things I always look back on um, with this group of, of guys and girls, actually, is, you know, I always view success not on how many baptisms I had or not on how many people accepted Christ or, or who's going to Christian colleges or, or whatnot. I actually view success a little bit differently where I—, I you know, because I've been in student ministry for so long, these kids now are, are 30 year olds and they're, you know, they've got families of their own. Yep. And I, the success I have is that I still keep in touch with these people. I'm still walking through life with a lot of them and they're calling me when their life sucks and their life is going crazy. I mean, I get so many phone calls of Tom, I need your help. Tom, please, can you be praying for me? Tom, help me out with this. And then I get to rejoice in a lot of the things, too, because I get to marry, you know, because I'm ordained. I, I get to do a lot of weddings and just to see how their lives shape up. Yeah. So I always I always just think of it that way. Like, I'm so blessed. I'm, I'm so grateful for the kids that God has allowed me to come in contact with and have some sort of impact on in some way, but the, the fact that they still call me today and I'm in group chats with them today, just talking and BSing about, uh, football or fantasy football, you know, that kind of stuff is it, really rewarding for me. Yeah. And that's, I totally get that too. I, I one of my, I had a couple of my kids that actually went into ministry and, mm-hmm. you know, it's in one of them, two of them took over a job at a church, like my first church, they were in my youth group there and mm-hmm. they, and one of them became the youth pastor not too long after uh, I left, after he graduated, went to college and got his degree. He mm-hmm. came back and became the youth guy. And I've actually been coaching him. They just had their fourth baby. Oh, wow. And then and the guy who's there now was also in my youth group who's there now as the youth pastor. Cool. So it's it's so cool to have that those connections. You just see all these these kids grow up and become, you know, good people, you know, yeah. do, doing good things instead of the the stories you hear sometimes, the horror stories of – Oh man, yeah. they were in my youth group and then they killed that guy and you know, yes. and everybody goes, yeah, we knew he was going to, but yeah. <laughs> and they all yeah, look at you like it's your fault. Yeah. Thankfully uh, I haven't had any of those situations. No, no. But, hopefully nobody does. I pray nobody does. Yeah. Yeah. But, so. but, but ministry is wild and youth ministry is especially wild because they're in that yeah. stage where they don't, the medulla oblongata is not developed, you know. <laughs> So uh, that is true. So you started to transition out of ministry recently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that a lot of people deal with this, like, okay, when is it time to go? When am I done? Yep. When am I just leaving this job is one thing. But when yep. is it time for me to do something new, something else, you know, other than yep. what I've been doing? Mm-hmm. So what were the, some of those like markers and flags that kind of went up that made you go, I, it may be time for me to be done with youth ministry? Yeah. Uh, there are a few different things. Uh, well, one of the things I, I felt like was a good indicator for me in the whole communication side of things and social media deal was 
I did um, years ago, um, I want to say like eight years ago now, I started my own blog and I wanted to just test out some ideas and thoughts. And the way I process life is I, I, I write and I, I feel like, you know, I can, I can write pretty effectively uh, most of the time. And uh, so I just started writing and I, I really loved it. I really, I don't know if anybody was reading my blog and truthfully, I, you know, I don't even know how many people really read my blog now. I mean, I have some idea, but I mean, I, I do it more for me and it's a way for me to process uh, mm-hmm. n- now. And one of the things that I began to discover is that I, I began to enjoy writing about things and, and coaching people a lot more than I actually enjoyed participating in doing it. It got harder for me to get up there and, and share a message. I didn't want, in fact, I didn't want to do it. I wanted other people to do that. Um, and I didn't want to be the upfront guy. It got harder for me to do the crazier things, although I still enjoyed it and I still do it today you know, dressing up and doing this or that, but it just got harder for me to do it. It's hard to describe other than the fact that it, it just got harder for me to do that. It wasn't what I was really passionate about. And, you know, I mean, anytime someone said lock in too, that was like cringeworthy to yes. me. Like, <laughs> I was like, no, it's please a curse don't. word. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like it who is. said lock in? Uh, who said so that got hard. And so I, I began to just evaluate and say, what is my next step? And the, the unfortunate thing for me was that I majored in Christian education. I went to Messiah College, and um, I, I um, majored in Christian education, and I began to think, I was like, I'm such an idiot. I should have majored in, like, business so that I could have done something else. And I felt, I almost felt like I was trapped. I was like, I want to do something else, but there's nothing else that I'm qualified to do. Um, you know, and, uh, and so I just felt this real uneasiness, this real discontent to say, there's something out there for me different right now. I just don't know what it is. And and I was grateful that the church had something in store for me. They they saw that it was harder for me to do these things. And and uh, that's when they approached me about the social media stuff and then the, ultimately the online stuff. But um, I was glad I was grateful for that. But it, it just there was just a really restless discontent in my life that was happening. So, yeah. And I, I, man, those are some of the same things I noticed too, for me is that it was just harder and harder to get motivated to do what I used to love doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, you stand up in front and you can still teach, you can still do yeah. it really well. You know, you still have mm-hmm. a, your skill set, but, uh, it's just some, some for me too, it was like, it's just not connecting. I don't really know how to describe that, but you can mm-hmm. just tell that your words are not hitting home like they used to hit with this group. Yeah. And you go, okay, well, is that me? Maybe that's me, you know, because mm-hmm. I think God could move and maybe he still is. It's just, I'm mm-hmm. not in tune with it. Something is not clicking here, you know, and it yeah. makes me feel like it was, it was kind of time to go. So any, any other transition flags that you saw? Yeah. Well, and again, I, I think as my, my own family got bigger, like I have four daughters and that that's craziness to begin with <laughs> four daughters. But, um, I, as, as they got older, I, again, I really realized that I I was kind of missing some things with them and I wanted to spend more time with them and I wanted to be a a better dad. And I felt like by me being out at night at certain nights and not really having a real weekend, you know, again, I, I would go to church whether I was working at a church or not. So church was always a non-negotiable that we'd be going to church, but 
you know, I'd have something on a Friday night, then I'd have something on a Sunday night, then I'd have something on a Tuesday night as well. I, I was just out a lot. And yeah. that became harder when, when they're younger and the kids go to bed at seven, eight o'clock, you know, that's no big deal. But when they're staying up and, you know, that it's a little bit harder. And so, um, and I wanted to be there with them. So that was definitely something in me that was a personal thing. Right. Um, and, I, and, my boss that I worked for at the last church, he, he went through a similar thing. And that was the big factor for him is just that he realized I'm not able to be home. I'm not able to be at my family, at kids stuff. And that just became a big deal. So that's a good mm-hmm. indicator for anyone out there listening. That's thinking, ah, maybe I'm done. I mean, if that's really pulling on you, I mean, that's an honest assessment you need to make. Yeah. Um, so you you've you've uh you had that uh, same story that I I kind of had too that that feeling of the need to go on to something else but how did you figure out that communications was more of where you needed to go well again because I was dabbling in it with with my blog and I I love Twitter I I know Twitter from a business standpoint really stinks and it's not really doing very well yeah at least that's what the stock says that's, but it's I sad. mean the reality yeah but I I love Twitter. I, I like Facebook a lot too. Um, I, I can't quite get Instagram. I'm not all about Instagram, but I, I, I have become very good at uh, well, Snapchat. I like snapping. <laughs> and, um, but yeah. I, I just, I felt like uh, th- these were things that I, I like to get into and I was doing it personally. And when they talked to me about doing social media for the church, I thought, this is great. This would allow me to be on it a little bit more, and I could think strategically on on how we could be more um, engaging in our communities online. So that that's kind of was the first kind of indicator for me. Yeah, and so when you moved into that, I, I mean, I totally get that. I, for me personally, and having this time away from church and youth ministry, I've been able to learn a lot of things about social media as well. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'm with you. I like Instagram. Okay. I'm yeah. predominantly a Facebook person, but I just don't get Snapchat. I don't get it. <laughs> I just don't get it, man. Yeah. It, and, and I find myself like feeling really old when I, when I try yeah. to do it and I'll yeah. swipe something the wrong way and go, Oh no, that's not what I want. And then swipe again. <laughs> and that was also wrong. And then I'm in some like nether region of the phone that I didn't even know existed because yeah. I can't swipe my thumb the right direction. <laughs> you know, so, and I feel just yeah. stupid. You know, and I'm like, forget this. We'll just use yeah. the little stuff with my kids. I entertain my kids with it. That's all I use it for. Yeah, uh, see, now. To, like, figure it, it out. Yeah, well, and it's the funny thing I like to tell about Snapchat is that um, my daughter's a, um, a cheerleader for the high school, and I have to take her to school, um, you know, twice a week early uh, just before school starts. So I take her and literally on the way there, she will take five to 10 different snaps the, on the way. It's only yeah. like a, it's less than a five minute trick. You know? <laughs> and she, she'll take five to 10. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't, I don't get it. It's I like, just try to par- participate in it. Yeah, in you're like, I'm on the same ride as you. None of yeah. this is interesting. Why would anybody <laughs> yeah. want to see this? Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. maddening. I don't get it, but I'm, ho- I'm, I'm glad the kids do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it's crazy, but it is a fun world. I mean, I'm enjoying it too. And learning is always, I, I love to learn. I love new things. I like to yeah. do that, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I, when I transitioned out, I had a, a system that I went through. I, I had a couple steps, so, but I'm interested, interested to hear what was your process like when you started to make that transition? Like, did you tell your pastor? How early did you tell him? Uh, who came to who? You know, what, what was that? 
that whole process kind of look like just yeah. at, at a 10, 50,000 well, foot I, view? I, I think one of the, the things that any staffer needs to have with their pastors to be able to be honest and, and frank. Now we're not always afforded that luxury. Um, and sometimes you, you know, I've said something to a pastor or my boss before that that's come around to bite me in the butt. So you have to be cautious, but I think there's got to be a way that you have to find a way to be honest with your pastor and just say, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Um, I, I don't want to quit. I'm not looking to quit, but this is what I'm feeling and just have an honest discussion with them because they might be thinking the same thing for you to say, Hey, listen, we're, we're sensing that Tom really wants to make a transition or there's something else for him out there. And I was thankful that when I would be able to talk to my, my boss about it, uh, I'd be honest, it kind of gave him a sense that, okay, I should be looking, if I really want Tom to continue on with us at the church, then I should look for something else. And thankfully, they were able to approach me with some different options um, of what I could do. And again, the social media and the communication thing was one was the easy win for me. I was like, yes, I, I definitely want to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely was expressing to them and then they were able to come back to me and talk about a plan. Did you get so did you get out pretty far ahead of that? I mean, did you tell them like, hey, in about six months, I'm done? Or was it something like that? Or just did somebody did you keep having a same conversation with a with a superior or, or what? Yeah, um, I definitely had the same conversation with the superior. Um, I, I did not say I didn't go to him and say, listen, if you don't find something else for me I, in six months, I'm done. I may have felt that way. I, I may have thought that at different times, but I didn't say that. I was just trying to open up the door of communication because I definitely wanted to stay on staff at the church. Uh, I definitely wanted to be there. I wasn't looking to go anywhere else, but I was looking to do something different. And again, thankfully, they had something in mind. So yeah. I think that's an interesting point of view, because when I left, too, I, I did the same thing. I, I went to my boss and said, hey, I got maybe another year tops, but I mm-hmm. really want to start looking at some kind of transition. And he, 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 his response was, yeah, us too. And I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, good. We're on the same page. <laughs> Stings <laughs> yeah. a little, but all right. Yes, sure. I know exactly. It, it doesn't <laughs> Even though good. I came to you, you know, yes. so, uh, yeah. so, but we were on the same page and, but I had said, I wanted to stay on staff and, and they tried really hard to work something out for me to stay and it just didn't work out. But mm-hmm. that, that's an option that in that moment, when I said that to him, I had honestly never thought of that. And I wonder how many pastors out there think, well, if I can't do the job they want me to do, I have to look for a totally different church and have to uproot everything and move on Yeah. and never thought, let's just talk and see if they've got something they want to do with me. Maybe they value me, you know, and give them a chance. And and the unfortunate thing, Seth, is that, you know, the church I was at before I started at New Life, um, I was I was their student pastor. If I wasn't their student pastor, I wasn't anything. They didn't have a plan for me. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things you have to look at when you go into a new church or a new setting, if you've made a transition to a different church, that you need to really say, I mean, not being in an arrogant way, what's your plan for me? But uh, like, I think you need to have an honest conversation to say, ask them, 
Amal, is my job just this, or do you want me? Am I the right person? Like the Jim Collins thing from Good to Great. Am I the right person to be on the bus with you? And or am I just the student minister, or am I just the communications director? Yeah, I'm just or here do to have a long, just here to do a task. Like, What's that? Like just here to do a task. Yes. Uh, right. Just, yeah. Okay. So, and and I think if you can have that honest conversation with them to know that they have a plan for you beyond just what your task is. And I think that's really cool. And that's what I was so grateful for new life is that they thought I was the right person to be on their bus and that they would find a different role for me. And, and I've truthfully, I've had different roles even before the communications um, thing came about in the social media. I, I was originally hired there to do family ministry. And then our, then we had a situation with our student pastor as well, who left and, and, uh, and I jumped into the student ministry and someone else took over the family ministry. But then, you know, so I've served in different roles there. Yeah, so. you really have worn several <laughs> yes. hats at that place. But yeah, it, it's, it's really cool that they've they've tried to find a place for you every time, though. I mean, yeah. I, I've also been in that church where it's like, don't tell anybody you're looking for another job because they'll, they'll fire you. Yes, yeah, yeah you're uh, right, and that's unfortunate. That's yeah, very sad. It is. It is, but those churches exist. So it's kind of one of those mm. things where you have to have a— a relationship with at least your direct superior, kind of how things work and, mm-hmm. and knowing how to go to them. But also what I pick up from what you're saying is it sounds like that your transition process really needs to be thought through mm-hmm. in your hiring interview. You know, like what is that going to look like if I want to stay here, but not do what you have me doing? Is that possible? Yeah, yeah. I, I would de- I would definitely recommend that. Yeah, yes. that might be a really great question to add to your interview. I wouldn't say it like that, but maybe, right. uh, you know, find a way to get that information when you're interviewing for the job. Maybe ask how many other people have moved around. How, you know, has, has your staff shuffled? Is anybody working mm-hmm. where they didn't start? You know, things like that. And just find out if that's even part of the culture at that church. So yeah. that you know what you're getting into. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so your family is tracked with you through this whole thing. You know, how, yeah. how are they holding up through some of the transitions that have happened? What What's going on with that? Is that good? or? Well, well yeah, it's, it's hard. It, to be honest, the transition from definitely from one church to another is, is hard because, again, your, your family gets used to that those relationships, those families that you, you hang out with. And then when you transition to another church, it, it's hard uh, to do that. Um, because you're, you're kind of starting new, which is different than any other business that you would ever encounter. Uh, but the going from one job to another within the church has been pretty good on my, my family, uh, except for the fact that my girls have told me when I got out of student ministry, they were upset because they actually wanted me to be their student minister guy. Oh, um, I know I was, I was a little surprised by that, but, um, (laughs) Uh, because, you know, I, yeah, I was, I was a little surprised, at that, but they, they do, they appreciate me being it. And then when I told them that I was b- back into the student ministry, they were excited about it. Um, not as excited as I was hoping they'd be, but they were excited about it. So <laughs> they, they've done very well. They're with like, the Dad, we were but, just kind of telling you that could yeah. make it cause you were feeling bad. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. We didn't really mean that kind of weren't serious. No. But yeah, no, my daughter's the same way. She's like, dad, I want you to be my youth pastor. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you don't, you don't really yeah. want me to do that. I'd be the yeah, worst. 
I know. I, I to be responsible for everything with my kids is uh, a little crazy. So um, yeah. yeah, there's be their youth pastor and their dad. That's a little bit tough. So so what are you doing right now to like? Is there anything specific that you would add on to the family routine just for this kind of period in your life? Anything, uh, anything different? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think what I do with my girls is that we have a pretty open communication, um, and we we talk regularly about things. And they're very inquisitive on things too. So it's kind of a uh, a, a a good situation for us. Yeah. So. And I, I assume that there are things that are part of the transition that are going on that you don't share with your family. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. Especially kids, but maybe even your wife. Yeah, well, definitely. Uh, you want to be careful about what you share with with spouses and with kids because uh, the reality is you can handle cer- certain things because you know the ins and outs, the everyday routines of things. But but I found that when you share a little bit too much and some unnecessary information, that it can taint their relationship and their their view of your boss or, or the people that you work with. And so that doesn't always go very well. So, right. Yeah. I, I, there's, it's like, you want to, you want to share the pertinent information, but mm-hmm. you don't want to share the fact that it was given to you in a certain way you didn't like. Yeah. You know, it's like, Hey, I'm going to be doing this and I'm cool with it, you know, but not, yeah. Hey, you know, Ron came in here and was such a jerk and he said, I got to do this now. You know, you don't want to give them all yeah. that. No, definitely. And I think, you know, the more you can be upfront with your whole family is that, you know, uh, and just say, hey, you know, this is how I'm feeling about things. And if you have a good dialogue with your family, open communication about things, they're going to know that you're itching to get into something different anyways. So, yeah, it's kind of good like that. Well, good. And that that sounds healthy. I, I think that's I've never heard that talked about very much on, on some of these podcasts. I think that's really great. Um, so tell me right now, as we wrap up, just what, what books, podcasts, blogs, I mean, what's some of the stuff that's really kind of blowing your mind right now that you're really into just anything? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to blow your mind by telling you that I, you know, to be honest, I've read a few different books recently. Again, I just reread, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think that's a great book that if you've not read it before, you definitely got to read it. Um, I love I, I'm huge into blogs um, and podcasts. Um, you know, I, I listen to a variety of different ones. I'll listen to some social media ones like the Social Media Examiner uh, show. That's a fantastic one. If you want to get into marketing and church stuff, it, everything applies to that. Yeah, um, I love and that then, one. Yeah, it, I mean, he, they're fantastic. Like 10 you minutes. Know, yes, and yeah. And packed very full of stuff in yeah. 10 minutes. It's like you got li- you can't listen to that one in the car. Yeah, I, I, and so, I, you know, I like that. I, I love – there's a, um, averageyouthministry.com, Ben Kearns. He's one of my favorite. He's a good friend of mine who – who uh, um, has some great insights on youth ministry. I love the Church Mag uh, uh, blog. Uh, That's fantastic as well. But I'll tell you, one thing that's blown my mind and it's caused me to really challenge me is I actually just went on a mission trip where I didn't lead it. And I would encourage every pastor or minister in any context, whatever your role is, to go on a mission trip where you're not leading it and that you go and just participate. I actually went to San Diego with my friend, Will Cravens, 
he leads this thing called endurance leadership and uh and he takes people on mission trips all over but we went to san diego and we actually were we were homeless for a week we actually went and walked among the homeless and for a whole week we were, were sleeping outside we had no money um and well actually we were able to use our our iPhones for Starbucks every now and then. But I mean, other than that, we didn't really have any money. We used, we went to soup kitchens, we ministered to homeless people and, uh, it would, it blew my mind. I, the, the things I encountered that week has just blown my mind and about, it's all about the love of Jesus and about how we're called to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love other people as ourselves. And to see, and to have the conversation with people, to be praying for people, to having no agenda other than ministering to one of the largest homeless populations in the world was amazing. It was it was mind blowing. Wow! So, Do kids go on that too? No, this was actually just adults. Although I think Will is working on a trip that he can get where kids can go on. It'd probably be like upperclassmen of high school, junior and seniors, right. because. Again, you don't want to be taking a lot of kids sleeping on the streets and stuff like that. But, I mean, it, it was just mind-blowing. It was just amazing to, to do it. So, yeah, I feel like we could just have you back and talk about that. Yeah, I mean, in, That'd you be great. Have, yeah, you should have my friend Will on because it is, I mean, it, how why he started this uh, uh, and what he's doing with it is is amazing. So, yeah. That is incredible. Wow. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you got to go on that. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Um, being homeless for a whole week, that's, that's gosh, that had to be hard. Yeah, dude. I mean, it, it was amazing because, again, if you if you missed your feeding, you know, the soup kitchens, then you didn't you didn't eat. And, you know, yep. if the cop if the cop was in the park where you were supposed to be sleeping, you weren't sleeping until he left. And sometimes I was really late. I mean, it was it was completely a mind blowing experience. Wow. Tom, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks, Seth, for uh, having me on. Well, I got one more thing I want to do with you before we let you go. I got a little segment we like to do called Five on the Spot. I'm going to ask you five (laughs) random questions, quick fire. Uh, They're stupid. They have nothing really theological or or political on purpose in there. (laughs) Oh, good. Because, good Lord, who wants to light that dynamite (laughs) stick right now, right? That's right. So here we go. Question one. You have not seen these, right? I'm not. Uh, these are all many, brand new. I, I'm really nervous right now. I'm really nervous right okay. now. You know, I, I'll be honest. I'm gonna I'm gonna calm your nerves. This yeah. is probably one of my tamer lists. Okay. Okay. It's okay. one of my tamer lists. I'm not gonna ask okay. you to endorse any kind of political candidate or anything. All right. <laughs> okay. Good. What is better, Taco Bueno or Taco Cabana? Do you have uh, those? Uh, no, I don't have any of those. But I'm gonna guess Taco Cabana. Are you serious? You don't have either one of those? No, we, I don't even. You're know. up in the north, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm in Northern Virginia, so oh my I mean, gosh. we have Taco Bell and we uh. have we have Cafe Rio. Well, we don't um, have Cafe Rio. Um, what else do we have? I had a lot of good tacos the other the other week, um, but no, I, I we don't have any of those. So you don't have Taco Cabana or Taco Bueno. No, I think a taco fairy just died somewhere. Oh gosh! Wow. Sorry, man. Those are so good. You need to petition your town to get some one of those. Yeah. But I'll tell you, yeah. the answer is Taco Cabana. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my pick. Others will okay. feel free to sound off in the comments on that one. All yeah. right, let's move on. Then question two: What is the best piece of ministry advice you've ever received? Mm, 
know their names. Remember their names. <laughs> that is a great <laughs> piece of advice. <laughs> I, because I would say it's true because especially with kids, um, you know, when you remember their name and you can go back to them and say, hey, uh, Joe Schmo, how are you? And and I literally had this person say, wait, you remember my name? Yeah, I like, had that. Yeah, I remember. It, it, because it means that you value them, you care for them, that, yeah. that you're not just another person. But um, yeah, that was one. I laugh because I'm so terrible at it. Oh, I, me too. I'm so bad. I've got these yeah. weird, I've got Michael Scott level of associations <laughs> in my head trying to remember people's names that I won't go into there. But uh, <laughs> I can't ever remember people's names. I'm like, oh, green shirt. Green shirt. Sean. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Sean? <laughs> oh, I can't, can't do it. All right. Number three, what band? Okay. A little setup for this one. We all have okay. that band that we love, right? That oh, we've yeah. been listening to forever. And they keep putting out CDs after CD, after album, after album. I don't know if I buy CDs anymore. I don't know what those are. But they keep putting out album after album. <laughs> and which one of the, what, what band do you just keep buying, even though they suck? Okay, well, it's debatable whether or not they suck, but uh, U2 is one that I will always go back to. So no, no matter what they put out, you're buying and I it? Will. I'm buying it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, because okay. I, 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 mean, I, I, I mean, I remember it in their heyday. They were amazing. I've seen them in concert. And, I, and now on iTunes, I'll just still shuffle their stuff and just listen to it. I'll skip over a few songs here or there, but... I will go back to them all the time. And I, I heard they're actually going to be coming out with a new album sometime in 2017. So yeah. that'd be kind of nice. They're, they're going to make music till they die. <laughs> they are. All right. Question four. If you could ask any person in history a question, who would it be? And what would you ask? Uh, I would, I'm completely fascinated with John F. Kennedy. Uh, I, I am, I will say this. We're not going to get political, but I am a Republican, but I love, love John F. Kennedy. And the question I would ask him, oh, um, oh gosh, that, that's a tough one. Um, why did he cheat on Jackie O? Because Jackie O was beautiful. For she real. She was amazing. For real. I mean, literally. Great I mean, question. Yeah. So why, why did he cheat on Jackie O? Because, I mean, she was a, a knockout. Yeah, that's so. a great question. Yeah. And, and also, I would ask, do you really want to rethink the convertible? <laughs> yes. Like, yes, I think we should rethink to... the convertible, don't you? Yes, I, yes, I agree. I would, I would say that, brother. All right, question five, last one. You got 10 minutes to get out of your house to survive the zombie apocalypse. You've already got your family, but what supplies do you grab? You can you can take, like, five things. I can take five things. What, what five things do you grab? I, okay, I got to take my iPhone. I got to take my, my MacBook. I have to take <laughs> for, um, for the zombie apocalypse. Um, I'm pretty sure internet's going to go out. Yeah, I know, but I got to take those things. Um, gosh, five things—that's too many things. Um, uh, I got to take my battery pack charger, um, uh, my Kindle, and I, I'm so technology. Uh, and I got to take a picture. I got to take a, a picture book of that my mom made uh, years ago. So uh, to remember all the old photos okay so. yeah kind of that <laughs> sentimental one <laughs> well tom thank you so much for being on the show i uh, really had a yeah. great time this was a great conversation so you guys we're out thank you for listening we'll see you back in a few weeks